Alright, welcome, welcome everybody. Gonna be getting started here for the day. Uh, I have been translating the book of Matthew. Uh, what, what I'm realizing with the the ancient scrolls as to write the new... Uh, the, okay, so one thing you'll notice is that there's... If you go on the site biblehub.com, it'll just and you do a parallel, it, it'll parallel uh, 40 or 50 different versions of the Bible uh, next to each other, right? And lo and behold, there's a interesting phenomenon, phenomenon or a thing that occurs where all the Bible versions, right? They're pretty pretty much just just right the niv is pretty much just mimicking the king james right and when you think about it uh the new versions of the bible when the internet existed right going on from the point where there was some sort of collective knowledge to be accessed right uh the king james version of the bible would probably be uh, one of the beginning instance points of that where people started just changing the words of the King James Bible into uh, their own version of the Bible, right? And so what you see when you go on and you're paralleling these 50 different versions of the Bible next to each other is that they're all pretty much the same, right? But lo and behold, if you go back to the ancient scrolls, right, uh, you will have people, right, interpreting the, the Greek language, the original format of the ancient uh, scriptures, the ancient Bible, they're going to be one, right, not all of the, right, today if you pick up a King James Bible printed and you hold it up to the exact same version of the, that King James Bible, the print will be practically identical word for word, right, there may be an error or an ink blot, something like that, but other than that, it's going to be identical. What you see uh, in the older ancient scrolls, the original format, right, the ancient first first format of the bible or the oldest some of the oldest in existence right uh is that they have differences right they're all handwritten they're not typed right and so today when you see 50 different versions of the bible all the same you can think back and say huh what are the chances that 50 different scholars are going to take different scrolls that have been written and translated by different people, right? And this, this is sort of a, like a group think phenomenon. And so uh, what you'll notice uh, when you're reading the modern version versions of the Bible is that, right, they all sound the same and, right, Christ is speaking sort of masterfully, right? Uh, Whereas if you go back to the older ancient versions of the Bible, he's still, you know, the wisdom's still there. The points are most of the time the same, right? The verses and the parables most of the time are pretty, pretty dang uh, similar. But they're, they're not, uh, right, I've had 3,000 years to read over my, my uh, book and copy and edit it and, uh, you know, spruce it up so that I... I I seem as this, you know, uh, well, Christ was an incredible teacher, but he didn't spend 3,000 years writing his parables, right? He wrote his parables, and then, right, they got published in the original format of the Bible. Not, not, uh, 
whereas today, right, you'll see, so the verses, what I'm saying is the ancient verses, they're a little more, uh, they seem a little more human. They seem a little more um, just spoken, right? Uh, not not 100% like I would be speaking, as you'll see, but they they do use a lot, uh, a lot more words like is or, uh, right, is or his, right, your, you, right, and, and these little words, another thing you'll notice is that these little words, they just omit them. They just totally say, ah, well, I don't understand it. I'll just throw it out, right, and so uh, when you're reading the Disciples of Christ version of the Bible, understand, right, uh, I take an extremely long time with it. I, I never, I almost never drop words, right? Unless sometimes, right, uh, in the Greek language, you'll, it will say the God of you, right? Uh, things like that, uh, you know, that's today modernly translated, right? You can drop the, right? And you can say your God or our God, right? And that, and that, those words do get dropped. All modern versions of the Bible, I mean, I can't tell you how many words get dropped out of some of these verses. Uh, you, you will plainly look at uh, verses that, uh, you know, they're made comprised of 10 to 30 words, right? Let's say 20 to 30 words. And in English, they translate them as like 10 words. The thing with Greek is rarely can a word be summarized as uh, compounded down into, into one word in English. Actually, it's the, the opposite of this is often true, where in Greek, sometimes one word will mean two or three words in, in English, right? Like uh, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, right, when Christ is saying, lead us not into temptation or let us, not, it's more like let us not fall, let us not be brought into the fires of temptation, right? Uh, not, not God will lead you into the, into temptation, right? You know, maybe God will lead you to trials and uh, temptations, but that's not really what Christ is saying. He's more saying, let us not fall into the fires of temptation, right? Let us not be brought into the fires of temptation. And so that word fire, fires of temptation, right? In, in Greek, it's like a compound fire temptation, right? And so fires of temptation, right? But uh, almost never do you see, right, uh, a, a phrase like fires of temptation in Greek able to be reduced down to temptation in English, right? And so understanding, right, um, there is a lot of loss of content that's occurred from the ancient scrolls unto uh, today and the modern versions and uh, if you even if you read right if you read um, King James 1611 uh, Bible this is a really really solid version of the Bible uh, it, it does contain the the hidden books right the eight or the the apocrypha whatever you want to call them uh, the 14 removed books right so there is 80 books in the in this Bible 1611 and there's 66 books in this one so uh they are the same right they're the same christian bible but uh the catholic church pulled 14 books out and so you sort of uh understanding that thinking 
along those lines, you can sort of scratch your head and say, huh, well, if they're willing to rip an entire 14 books out of the Bible, you know, what are they willing to do? What, how, how much are they willing to omit and edit and fiddle with uh, other versions of the Bible? And uh, this is a nib. The nib's pretty good, right? It's pretty good. It does say all sin can be forgiven. That's the general theology of the nib. That's accurate, right? Accurate theology. Not, it's not Vladimir Putin, do whatever you want. God will forgive you. That's, it's right. Well, if, if Jesus says don't sin, right? Well, what does the devil say? Well, the devil says do whatever you want, right? That's accurate theology. That's accurate Christian theology. Jesus Christ says, I love you. Don't sin. Don't do what's bad for you. The devil says, do whatever you want. I don't care about you, right? And so neo-Christian theology, Christ is saying, all sins forgiven, do whatever you want, right? And so what then is the devil saying? Is the devil saying, don't sin, right? So uh, when the patron is the devil, right, that's Satanism, right? And so you got to be on guard, right, for doctrines of demons, right? They sound really nice. But when you think about them, and maybe someone like me comes into your life and shakes you a little bit and says, hey, that's just, that's obviously not what the Bible says, right? And are there, are there countless verses to back me up? Yeah, there are, right? However, uh, there are also uh, twisted versions of the Bible that Christ Jesus is, he says, he says, all sins forgiven. All the blasphemies and sins of men will be forgiven. Okay, sure. <laughs> But, um, so essentially, right, I guess what I'm saying is make sure to get a good, it's going to boil down to what you believe, right? Do you believe God wants, if he forgives everything anyone does, do anything you want? Does that sound like a religion or does that sound like libertarianism? Wow, it's the libertarian format. Oh, what, where did that come from? Oh, libertarianism. Okay. It's not a religion. It's a political party, right? And so when it starts sounding a lot like mankind, right, you should have some, some red flags going up in your head saying, ah, that's, you know, that's not really, that doesn't really make any sense, right? And it's not, uh, it's not like God's getting down on you constantly about your sin. He's just there to judge. No, that's not, that's not it either, right? Finding God, you know, you've got to press into God and the love of God and understand how willing he is to walk with you through the hardships, through the trials, through the struggles, how he will never leave you. He will never forsake you while you're here, right? Here on earth, God's working on us. He's leading us. He's trying to lead us to the ways of God, right? Uh, and, well, uh, understanding that is important, right? The Bible talks about putting away sinfulness, right? And so, I mean, oh, these people are, who believe, right, who teach uh, all sins forgiven, that's, it's really sick. It's really not nice to do to people. That's, it's really cruel because uh, believers, right, they'll say, I love God, and they'll say, oh, well, they, you know, they won't think about it. There's some sort of barrier or mystery where if, if believers, uh, Christians, people of faith, if they believe God said it, right? They're taught not to question God, right? And in the case of God, that's biblically accurate, right? I heard the voice of God. 
I'm, I'm to do as a Christian, as a servant, I'm to obey. I'm to do what God has uh, told me to do, right? But when it's from a man or a book, right, that what the Bible says to do is look over it, take a look at it, make sure it's good fruit, right? You will know them by their fruit. And uh, when you get into the realms of judgment, right, Christ says in some versions of the Bible, he says, thou shalt not judge or do not judge, right? Uh, it's more like do not pass judgment. And how that works is, uh, okay, I see someone on the street, whatever, I love them. They're my brother, right? That's Christianity. I want to help them. I want to welcome them. I want to bless them if I can, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Good intentions, positive fruit, right? I see someone on the street rob someone. Okay, it's no longer passing judgment. Now you know, right? But someone who accuses them of robbing, right? Well, where's the proof, right? So once the point they've crossed that decision point where you saw them or there is uh, evidence, right? There's witnesses of them doing something. It's no longer uh, judging them. It's judgment, right? So there is a slight difference between passing judgment in Christianity and judgment, right? Judgment is like what happens in a court. Judgment is a cop sees someone breaking the law and, per, and brings them to justice, right? Christ Jesus asks for justice, right? And so uh, when you are uh, meeting people, right, the, the do not judge is still there. But the second you see that person, right, stepping outside of their alleged Christian covenant, right, then you can say, hey, what are you doing? Right, That's where... Uh, Christians can move into the realms of a rebuke or uh, maybe just say something, right? Uh, hey, what what are you doing? Uh, did you know <laughs> the Bible says we're not allowed to do that? Uh, things like that, right? So understanding that and understanding that the foundation of the, the religion is love. That's where we focus on when we're interacting with each other. Uh, if you're not focusing on those love commandments, right? You're not really Christian, right? And this can be really hard, right? It can take some time to really focus on uh, the love, the blessing, the caring about, the genuinely caring about other people. But, right, when you break it down, that's the core of the Christian faith. Those are the first two commandments. One and two means it's the most important part, right? There's not one prophet who wasn't out, uh, out doing the will of the Lord in a sense, in a spirit of love, right? Uh, and right, it may be sort of, um, end result love, right? Where, yeah, I'm gonna, we're gonna have to fight this war, but as an end result of it, it's going to bring a lot of good to the land, right? And this is the case is the case of the judges, right? Where God raises up judges, right? And the judges, they're humans who go and oppose, uh, wickedness. They oppose evil, right? And they, bring order to the land and so uh, uh, understanding the difference between uh, passing judgment right and when you where you switch that gear and it is right it is the Christian covenant right even switching into that gear of rebuke but what you'll see right is that mankind they really want to rebuke people right they really maybe they're really concerned about looking good in front of another person so they want to appear powerful that's not really 
the Christian mentality, right? It's power is in the Christian covenant, but it's not so much um, I want to appear powerful, right? It's more like I know that God's made me enough to be impressive. I know I don't have to go and belittle these other people to try and make myself look good, right? That's beneath us, right? Where, uh, where they go low, Christians, we go high, right? And by choosing to follow these divine ways and stick to the accurate covenant as opposed to, uh, you know, believing what's, what's nice, what you, want, what you want to believe, right? And, you know, it's going to benefit your life a lot more. You're going to be able to get where you want to go. You're going to understand the spear, the sword of the spirit that the Lord God of Israel gives to his children. Where if you want to go through a wall, you've got that spear to push through it. You've got that sword to get through it. No problem. Any area of your life, all things will become possible for you. But uh, don't be fooled into uh, believing what is easy in your life, right? Sometimes, uh, you know, it's easier to believe that, you know, uh, well, you'll see some statistical studies done, for example, in the United States that are quite contrast uh, to studies done in Europe, right, on, on tense, tense issues, right, political issues. They can be whatever, right? Uh, same thing. Any time you're looking at a uh, hot topic, right, it's a topic that is, uh, has really passionate uh, opinions on both sides, for example, uh, abortion or etc right there's countless topics right political debates you'll find studies done by biased parties right that are sort of manipulating you and right believing what would be easier would be like oh whatever I believe all studies are accurate <laughs> right? like oh good luck with that one buddy uh, and so right we're breaking down the and looking at the foundation of the earth to gain wisdom from it, right? We're breaking down uh, the verses of the Bible, the parables of Christ Jesus, and looking at the foundation, the core meaning, what God wanted us to take away from it so that we can gain the wisdom of it and apply it to our life. And when you start to do that, well, things will start to change, right? God will start to show up as he sees you fascinated with him. A sincere pursuit of something, a passion for something, is a form of pure love, right? It is a form of worship. I'm very, very fascinated with God. I love God, right? Something is calling you to God. Something is pulling you towards that vision of why you are studying the Bible, whatever that reason may be, right? And, right, it doesn't always have to be love, but most of the time it will be. That's passion, right? We're not often uh, pursuing things we hate out of passion, right? Sometimes it will be, sure, uh, maybe someone wronged you, right? Or something like that. But understanding this is important, right? If you're trying to part those Red Seas, if you're trying to get God to work with you in your life, right? right and let me say that again. If you're trying to get God to work with you in your life, 
if you're trying to get God to work with you in your life, then following God's ways is probably the best way to do it, right? God did not lay out the foundations of creation. He did not create the Bible, uh, the Holy Scriptures, for uh, other purposes than leading mankind home into his benevolent courts, right? Into his sheep pen, right? And, right, there are blessings for being in the sheep pen. You will be led. You will be aided. You will be, well, you'll be able to run faster than uh, it is possible to run without God's presence. You will be able to do all things with God, right? And this is what you see uh, occurring in the stories of the Bible, right? Each story of the Bible has some absolutely miraculous element to it. And that is what God is offering to his children. But you got to follow God, right? It says, love the voice of God, i.e. do what the voice says, right? And that, that can be difficult sometimes. That can be challenging. But you keep going. You keep pressing in. You keep the faith, and I guarantee you, God will get you there, no matter what the dream is, right? Uh, Steve Jobs, he was a very spiritual man, right? And uh, he, what he says is, I don't know, I don't know why, if you just keep going in your life, it'll work out. The events will line up necessary to get you there, but that's how it works. So he says, I can't explain how it works or why, but that's the way it works. And so... Right. We as Christians, we as individuals, right, that is part of faith, having that faith in order to keep going, having that faith in order to keep walking towards the courts of heaven. You have to choose to lay down your life, your own ways, take up your cross and follow the Lord God of Israel daily. If you remain in me, you are like a branch that bears much fruit. Right? And this is John 15. If you remain in me, you will be a branch that bears much fruit. But if you are, but if you do not remain in me, you will. Okay, I'm going to pull it up. Okay, John 15. This is a critical verse, right? It, it, it explains a lot of theology also, right? It refutes much uh, global theology where, right, popular 60-70% of Christians believe opposite to this verse, right? Uh, being Christian is finding the correct ways, right? I know correct theology. I live by it, right? It's not, um, I didn't want to follow that verse, so I didn't, right? This is Christ Jesus, John 15. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are... You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Okay. So Christ Jesus, he's talking about keeping the covenant, keeping Christ in you. If you remain in me, i.e., if you remain in the ways of Christ, right, there is no condemnation in Christ, right? If you're practicing your Christian covenant, you're not going to be doing really horribly sinful things, right? You're not going to be condemned because you're not doing anything worthy of condemnation because you're remaining in Christ Jesus. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away, withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned, right? So, uh, if all sin for, was forgiven, right, well then, why would he say, if you do not remain in me, you're picked up and thrown into the fire and burned, right? Christ Jesus, he's not like the other teachers of the Bible. He's, he's laying it out in parables, heaven and hell. If you remain in me, you'll bear much fruit, good life, and good news, you're going to be immortal. You're going to live forever. Now, if you do not remain in me, you're going to go into the fire, Gonna, you're going to go into hell, right? You Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? So understanding the ways of Christ, what he is saying, it's not what the world is saying. It's not what most people are saying. And lo and behold, right after John 15 is John uh, 15, 18. The world hates the disciples, right? If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. Now, here's, here's another little tool you can use, right? If you're going around telling everybody, hey, all your sins are forgiven, you go to heaven, right? Uh, do anything you like. Why would they hate you for saying that? Does that make any sense, right? Hey, you're, you're, oh, you're, you're stealing and doing, doing uh, drinking seven days a week? Oh, good for you. Good, whatever, man. Hey, all sins forgiven, right? No one's going to hate you for saying that. Therefore, right, using that parable of Christ, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you, right? And so, now, how about if you're going around telling people, if you keep doing that sin, you're going to end up burning in hell. If you keep walking outside of Christ, if you don't remain in Christ Jesus, you're going to burn in hell. You're going to be picked up and thrown into the fires of damnation. Might they hate you for that? Could, could you see someone hating you? Yeah, yeah, right. And so uh, when you're breaking down, right, global neo, neo, not Christian, right? Not Christian theology. Uh, they're not of Christ, right? And... So when you're when you're listening to the mega churches, right? If it doesn't little shake you a little bit in your core, it ought to, because what you'll see is these mega churches making hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Uh, 
and they're preaching a doctrine opposite to Christ, right? Instead of saying, hey, I love you, don't sin. Hey, you know, if you don't remain in me, I'm, you're going to be picked up and thrown into the fire. They say, do whatever you want, right? Uh, and so when you understand that, when you're really looking over it, it makes, it, it makes perfect, sort of a chilling, perfect sense where suddenly Christ Jesus uh, seems, seems to be uh, dead accurate and uh, good for you, right? Good for your life, good for the lives of your children, where do whatever you want, right? The ways of the devil seem not so good for your children, right? You, no, no, and, and here's the thing, right? Most people, they don't, they'll hear, right, all things permissible, but they scratch their head and say, I, I don't really get it, right? They'll hear all sins forgiven. They say, no, I'm not going to sin, right? Because they have been gifted with the spirit of truth. They've been gifted with a conscience, right, by God. And so when you're understanding these, uh, these doctrines, right, these antichrist doctrines, right, doctrines of demons, what the modern mega churches all, all preach, or Lakewood Church, uh, Bethel, Bethel Church. Um, what's that other one? What's the one Stephen Furtick's church? Each and every one of these guys teaches opposite to Christ. Not, not uh, they've twisted the scriptures. No, no, it's it's directly opposite to Christ, right? Um, and understanding that's important, right? Uh, now the focus of the religion, right, is not to be uh, hateful or uh, jumping down people's throats for making a mistake in their preaching, something like that, right? But what you'll see is that one doctrine makes a lot of money. It's very lucrative here in this world, right? And uh, here in this world, right, you'll get a lot of clout, renown, uh, a lot of uh, followers. Everybody wants to hear. what If you tell someone what you want to hear, right, you could tell someone the truth, hey, it's time to go on a diet. Or you could tell someone the truth, you don't need to diet, you're beautiful, right? And uh, when they're mo morbidly obese, right, it's not going to benefit them. You're not helping them at all, right? You know, and there's kinder ways to say it, and that's sort of our responsibility. Spoken in love, only in love, right? We speak in love, right? But at the same time, Christians, we don't lie to people. We don't deceive people. We don't twist the scriptures. Not for money, not for power, not for clout, not for renown, not for all the kingdoms of all the earth. We love God. That's what it means to be Christian. And if you're twisting the scriptures... You're not Christian at all. You never knew my father nor me, right? So understanding that is extremely important. It's not the nicest thing you want to hear, but it's what the Bible says. So if you want to go to a church that preaches this, they hold this up, but they're and they say they're preaching this when they're lying and preaching something else, that's okay, but don't expect it to get you where you want to go in life. Don't expect heaven, right? I went into one of those churches, and man, it was really nice. There was singing, there was dancing, there was 
uh, rich worship. And I'm scratching my head going, what is going on? These guys are preaching opposite to Christ. And I heard the voice of the Lord God of Israel. He said, don't worry, they don't receive heaven. They don't receive immortality, right? And so while they are praising, while they are giving up praise to God, right? What the Bible says is that because uh, they refuse to come to God, right? Instead of coming into the ways of Christ Jesus, instead of coming into ways of God, they came halfway and said, this is nicer here. This is nicer than God, right? So when you understand that, right, they say, I want the world over God, it starts to make sense why they don't receive heaven, right? And so I wanted to read The Rich Man and Lazarus. You can choose, right, what you want in life. We all get to choose. God is not forcing us uh, to make decisions left or right where you will go, right? Let's see. Uh, where you will go in life, Luke. Okay. Where you will go in life, right? Uh, that is going to be up to you. God does not uh, force his covenant down, down your throat, so to speak, right? Instead, he, he offers you the covenant, and if you would like to accept it, you're, you're invited. All mankind is invited to come to God, but uh, not all of them will, right? Imagine if it's a long pathway, and along that pathway, walking towards God, immortality, right? Everything in the world is going to be trying to pull you away from God. All the agents of the devil, all the temptations of this life are going to be trying to hold you back. And if you settle for a covenant diff different than God's, to a, to a sincere degree, right? Not, oh, I got one verse wrong. Not, oh, I didn't know that, right? But I've decided to preach a doctrine different because I think there's a doctrine different than God's doctrine. I think there's a doctrine better than God's doctrine, right? Well, there, there are things uh, that will generate more finance, right? There are things that will... Uh, get you uh, a more uh, a more tyrannical sense of power right yeah there, those those exist out there right tyrannical power that's at the table of the devil you can't have it right uh, worship of finance right um, which is also if you ever wonder what that verse says oh you cannot serve God and Maman right well Maman is the worship of finance manifested into a false god, right? And so when you understand, right, you have to choose God's covenant, God's ways. You have to love the Lord God of Israel with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, right? That's a command, i.e. God's not asking. He's telling you, I command you to do this. Now, here's the thing. You get the command. You receive the command from your master, right? And you get to choose to follow it and if you're not following the commands of God your master are you really a servant not at all right that would be again John 15 right 
And so here is the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man in this parable represents uh, these people, right? All, all the mega churches who said, hey, I decided to twist the scriptures to get more finance in this life. Where Lazarus represents the good and faithful servant where he refused the finances. Says, yeah, you know, I could really use that hundred grand, but I see these this starving family. If I don't help them with this hundred grand, they're going to die, right? And Lazarus, he would give them the, the, he would help the family, right? It's not, uh, it's not socialism, right? It's 10%, right? So, but, right, he, the, the, the rich man, right, he twists the scriptures to his own destruction. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen. He lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades, where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, right? I.e., he chose the finances of this world over the ways of God, right? While Lazarus received bad things but now he is comforted here and you are in agony and besides all this between us and you is a great chasm which has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over from there to us he answered then i beg you father send lazarus to my family for i have five brothers let him warn them so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, father, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them, they will then repent. He said to him, If you do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. So why is this, right? Why, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, it's because it's not they don't understand. It's that they've made the conscious decision within their soul to choose the rich man over Lazarus, to choose the ways of the world, something else besides God and his ways. And so when you break that parable down, first it goes into uh, obeying God in, in the world, right? Doing, doing it God's way, i.e. not surrendering, not surrendering to mammon, i.e. the worship of finances, right? The worship of things other than God. But, right, and... Uh, Not all Christians are going to look like the, the, the beggar, right? This is just an example, 
right. Can a beggar be righteous? Absolutely. Can a beggar <coughs> be more righteous than uh, members, uh, <coughs> lead members of a megachurch, right? You look up, uh, and don't take this the wrong way, but, uh, and it's not a knock against the current pope, right? But you look up the pope, right? But you don't really know the pope, right? He could be less or uh, greater in, right, in his righteousness than the beggar, right? You don't really know. You'd have to really know him and you'd really, right, only God knows these things, right? Uh, so understanding that is what God is talking about where he's saying surrender this world, surrender to me, right? That doesn't mean you can't have finances as a Christian. It just means you can't worship finances as a Christian, it doesn't mean you can't have a life as a Christian. It just means you can't worship the life of this world as a Christian. And so when you understand, right, that uh, practically all these megachurches have fallen, whether they know it or not, and uh, it's, well, it's, it's exactly what the Bible d depicts will happen. Right. When Christ Jesus, he goes to the churches and he's instructing them, he's teaching them. He says to about five out of seven, right? Hey, there's synagogues of Satan. And so understanding that percentage wise, Christ is saying about 70 percent of churches are corrupt. Right. And when you look, when you. Uh, compare that alongside from the beginning of the Bible to the end, right? Well, King David says, well, in a room of a thousand men, there'll be one good one, right? There'll be one incorruptible man, right? That's, you know, that's, you know, that's, a, that's a lot, right? That's a lot of us that are going to be corruptible, that will fall to corruption, right? That will fall, choose other things, Right? other than God's covenant over, over, uh, over God's covenant, right? And so understanding that it's the basis of Christianity. It's one of the foundations you got to grasp firmly. You're not allowed to choose other things and be Christian, right? And, uh, it's not perfection, right? But we're moving towards, uh, that incorruptibility, right? Hey, maybe when I was young, I really was a struggling alcoholic. But now, I, you know, if I don't want to drink, if I'm, I'm not a slave to alcoholism, right? So, anyways, I'm just sort of rambling. But <clears throat> accurate biblical theology is practically opposite to everything that they teach in the mega churches. In in practically all churches, uh, if you hear them saying Christ's death uh, paid for all your sins all sins forgiven that's opposite to the Bible if you hear them saying all things permissible that's opposite to all religion uh, right and you can keep going on and on with that but it paints a pretty pretty grim picture for uh, most of the churches modern churches today right they're they're not christian at all they just call themselves christian but uh what we need to do right is we need to get we need to start a corporation right and call it christian corp right 
That way, if you're not uh, actually a member, a practicing member of the Christianity, of Christianity, right? You just fire them. <laughs> uh, just joking. But um, right, you, you can't imagine, right? People, pe many people out there believe that there's one version of the the. It's the Bible, right? When actually there's three thousand versions of the book, and uh, practically, right? People have been really fiddling with it, so you got to find you got to find an accurate version. Uh, the contemporary New English, man, I'll tell you, that's got a lot of accurate theology in it, and it's 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 a it's a topic that's very tough to debate because very few people are going to give you the time. Well, if you say, "Hey, let me show you ten verses," right? Hey, let me show you John fifteen. They say, "Oh, I don't want to." I don't want to. I don't want to read John fifteen. That would that would confront my delicate comfort zone. That would that would confront my my belief that these mega churches have been teaching me, right? And so, displaying your Christian faith, actually living it, is the most important part of Christianity, and it's actually living it for yourself, right? So I'll tell you something I have uh, gone through is is realizing right these guys are scam artists right and they're using the bible as a sort of scam scam technique right that bugs me right but am i going to spend my whole life focusing on it no are you allowed to nope you're not right don't worry right don't worry about it yeah you can take steps uh Occasionally, right, but the focus, right, of Christianity is your connection with God. It's keeping that light glowing, right? It's keeping that light shining in within you so that when you're out in the world, people will recognize you, right? And don't worry, right? If you're practicing accurate Christianity, accurate Christianity, right, you'll know it. You'll see God, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You will see God. You will know God. You will have a relationship with God, right? But if you're not practicing accurate Christianity, if you're holding on to this pettiness, right, uh, or hatefulness or bitterness or malice, well, Bible says you can't do that, right? You're building yourself into a white, brilliant temple, right brilliant white temple right and so when the bitterness comes in oh, you got to sweep it out of your temple when the hatred tries to come in you got to say no you can't come in this temple right that's what we're talking about christianity that's accurate christianity it will benefit your life in a massive way but if you're doing whatever you want well don't expect to be feeling so righteous right uh can you tell right that all sin is not forgiven or that all sin is not permissible just by analyzing the human state. Well, do you have a conscience that tells you not to do things sometimes? Yeah, right? And so right there, God has placed the spirit of truth or your conscience within you to hold you back from the fires of hell, to lead you into what's right, to stand up to people, right, and say no. Can you look at the foundation of the earth, right, are there policemen protecting us because there's evil out there? Yes. Well, then, admitting that evil is out there, you're admitting that indeed some things are evil, right? <sighs> and going on, going forward, right, 
you got to keep that stuff out, right? The city of God, right? The city standing atop a mountain that cannot be hidden, right? It's a place where people want to be. It's a life that people pursue. They want it. They chase it their whole lives. But without God, they can do nothing. And therefore, they will not reach it unless they're practicing and applying the ways of God to their lives. If you're not following God, don't be shocked if you're not moving as fast as you possibly can. See, it is possible for mankind to pull to work roughly like 130 hours a week. And if you're working that fast, it will be much like the day of Joshua where the sun stood still over the heavens as you are flying past other people towards whatever dream, in whatever direction you would like to go, in whatever, to whatever dream, in whatever direction that God himself has pointed you to, that God his, himself has sent you to, right? But you will not be able to move that fast without the ways of God, right? And I'm not saying, right, that that sort of max work ethic is Christian, but a sincere work ethic is, right? And so understanding what you are capable of with God is more than what is humanly possible, right? Can you do it? Yes, absolutely. Can you do more with God? Yeah, absolutely. With God, when you put in 40, it will be like you're going 80, right? With God, when you put in 80, it will be like you have put in 160, right? Whatever, whatever, right? Where God choose to, chooses to bless your life, your life will thrive, right? Where you are following God, when you are pressing in and pushing into that righteousness of God, your life will start to change. The areas of your life in which you are righteous will become to flourish like your righteousness itself. You will become a city standing atop a mountain, right? Uh, a peak, a mountain peak. So hill is, it can be translated hill, but it's not a peak of a hill. It's not really, it's not really the most accurate. So the peak standing atop a peak of a mountain, right? Does that sound nice? Standing atop peak of a mountain is that what you want for your life you can have it right but you got to follow god right and if you want that peak that pinnacle that spear to be preaching like christ jesus well you're going to be a master at preaching if you want that peak that pinnacle to be a business right with god you can have that business no problem with god all things are possible right but you got to follow the ways of god you got to apply them within right within the spirit right uh oh i just translated this verse i'm gonna read it uh so right and like i'm saying right the modern bibles they drop a lot a lot of content to simplify i don't know if it's to simplify them or to westernize them right Oh, we don't need all these extra words that Christ spoke. Let's just uh, break it down to make it simple, right? For our readers, uh, I don't do that, right? <laughs> no thanks. 
if it's if there's a word there i'm going to do my best to get it translated right i'm not dropping the ins or the ors or the his or her nope i'm just translating it as is uh you know i love i i believe right that there is divine inspiration behind the biblical verses and therefore right that every word should be is there for a purpose and should be translated right but i'll tell you right there's a lot of lost content in modern translation so here would be an example of this here it is right so this is matthew 6 22 the lamp of the body is the eye if in your one eye is purity your whole body will be full of light but if in your one eye is evil your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light in you is the darkness how vast that darkness is right and so as you can see right uh, there's different but the one eye is is actually it is present uh, in the ancient scrolls right and in in modern scrolls right it reads a little different it's like if your eye is the lamp is the eye of the body if your eye is healthy right your whole body will be full of light right and so you can sort of grasp the meaning behind it but right I, he doesn't say your one eye. One eye implies your mind's eye. I means your eyes. And then you sort of have to, you know, you sort of have to logically or reason it out. Oh, okay, he's talking about your eyes. Okay, oh, he's talking about your um, mind's eye, right? Your mind, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? But uh, in the older, older translations, you sort of have to do a little less reasoning. Christ is just sort of speaking it how it is, right? real humble right come with me because i'm humble right and uh understanding that I, I think it's absolutely beautiful right uh the lord's prayer right he's give us the give us the bread to necessary for today and christ is you know he seems a lot humbler right he seems a lot lower than in some of these uh more modern translations he seems a lot more human right i do believe right christ uh, he's an aspect of the Trinity, right? So he had divine. I heard a pastor, he says, Christ is fully divine and fully human. I don't know, man. The Bible doesn't say that. But what the Bible does say is that Christ had divinity. He had a certain portion of God's divinity within him, right? Uh, what percentage? Who knows, right? Uh, but understanding that, right? Not losing uh, content, that's really big on a uh, for me and that's why that's why the verses they take uh, so long sometimes figuring out the structure of the of the sentence can be very very difficult and uh, oh, sometimes right uh, uh, the one I just translated really bugged me let's see it says uh, it's Matthew 6:30. now if the crops of the fields are here today and cast into the oven tomorrow our God will not refuse to clothe you far greater Oh, ye of little faith, right? And so what you'll find, let me pull up Matthew 6.30 here real quick. Matthew 6. 6.30. Okay, Matthew 6.30. Uh, if this, if that is how God clothes clothes the grass of the field 
which is here today and gone and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Okay, so here's the problem with this verse, right? In the ancient Greek scrolls, the word clothe only appears singular one time. So let me let me read this again, right? So the scroll reads has the word clothe in it singular one time. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, thrown into the, sorry, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Right? So now they're duplicating the word without it being present, right? And so they're just, uh, they're fiddling, they're fiddling with the verses. <laughs> don't do that right so that really gets on my nerves when I see people um right and yeah maybe it makes the verse sound a little nicer but I'm not I'm not looking for what sound nice sounds nicer in my translation of the Bible I'm just looking for what Christ Jesus himself said that's it right uh, nothing more nothing less if if it's not as good as some of some of those neo verses right I'm okay with that right I'm interested in accurate theology, right? Accurately how it is, i.e. accurate wisdom, right? Wisdom, not, I made it up, right? I added words, I twisted the scriptures. No thanks, man, not interested. So, hey, thanks for tuning in, guys. Blessings on you all. Don't ever forget how much God loves you. And I hope you guys enjoyed the stream and have a great rest of your night.